Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for me, Pastor Eric, or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email me at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. Today on our podcast, we have our sermon from this weekend, the third Sunday in Epiphany. Our scripture for today is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now during those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from amongst yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task, while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and serving the word. What they said pleased the whole community. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Thanks for listening. Let's get growing. Well, before my wife and I had our kids, a bunch of people would come up to us and say this, when you have kids, your life will never be the same. Now, of course, this is true because this is true about everything in life. For every change, our life will never be the same. When you start dating that person, your life will never be the same. When you get married, your life will never be the same. When you start that job, quit that job, retire from that job, your life will never be the same. When you pick up that hobby, quit that hobby, or just stop doing that hobby, your life will never be the same. Because every time we experience change, it changes our life. And when we experience change, it brings positives and negatives. Now, if that change is good, we experience more positive than negative. If that change is bad, we experience more negative than positive. And based on that scale, we decide if that decision was good or bad. Now, when my kids came into the world, there was way more positives than negatives. But let's just be honest, parents. There's some negatives, right? You lose a couple things as the parents. You have to stop doing things, or at least things aren't quite the same. And one of those things for Ashley and I as parents was that we lost the ability to go to movies whenever we wanted to go. You see, when we were dating and when we were married without kids, we loved going to movies. And so we'd be driving through a town. It wasn't even around here, possibly. We'd just drive past a theater and we'd say, do you want to go to a movie? 
And she'd say, sure. And I'd pull out my phone. I'd look at the times and guess what we'd do? We would drive in and go to a movie. It was as simple as that. Now we have kids and our life will never be the same, right? So when we want to go to a movie now, we have to figure out the bedtimes of the kids. We have to figure out the last time they have eaten. We have to look at the movie times, figure out how long the movies are. We have to find a babysitter who can match up to all 15 of those things. And then we go to the movie. And even when we're in the movie, we're nervous. Our kids are doing the whole time, right? And so because of all those variables, we basically just stopped going to movies for the most part. Now I will say this, that sometimes I just get the itch to go to a movie. In fact, sometimes I've just gotten desperate to go to a movie. In fact, because of that desperation, because the movie I wanted to see, it was so ingrained in my hopes and dreams, I broke the cardinal rule of movie going, which means I brought my kids into the theater. And we're not talking cartoons, a show I wanted to watch and a show Ashley wanted to watch, Spider-Man Homecoming. And then again, Aquaman. So two times I have done this. Two times I have dealt with the angry looks and the vengeful attitudes of everyone in that theater. And rightfully so, honestly. I mean, my little infant son was, of course, crying and my daughter was bored after five minutes. So she's running around and screaming. It was quite a spectacle. But despite that, I got to watch my movies. Now, maybe you've heard of those movies before. Maybe you've seen them before. Maybe you've never heard of them before. But just to kind of give you a taste of what they're like, they're in the genre of superhero, right? And superheroes have been around for a long time. Since the 30s, Batman and Superman have been on the scene. And so no matter how old you are, you've experienced or at least have some awareness of who these people are. Maybe you listen to them on the radio or TV or read a comic book or a book or have seen one of the numerous movies that have recently been released. But superheroes are, are fascinating and they're fascinating to me. Because it's so interesting to see people who can do things that we can't do and protect and save others. And so I just enjoy movies like that. But the reality is that we all know is that superheroes, they're not realistic. And I'm not talking about talking to fish or flying or shooting lasers out of my eyes. I'm talking about their lifestyle is unsustainable. Their lifestyle is unrealistic. I mean, let's look at Superman. He's been around forever, but we're supposed to believe that this guy, Clark Kent, that he has a full-time job at a newspaper as a writer. So he's working 40 to 50 to 60 hours a week. And then on top of that, he apparently has this amazing romantic relationship with Lois Lane that's really thriving. And then on top of both of those things, supposedly he's saving the day all the time. So he's basically on the clock, 24 seven, 365. And we're all supposed to believe that this is actually happening. And he hasn't quit a long time ago. Well, the same thing is true of Batman, right? Batman is Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne runs this multi-billion dollar company in his free time. He has friends and family just like the rest of us. And then all night he sits up on the rooftops and protects us all, right? He looks into the dark gets the bad guys. So he's on the clock once again, 24, seven, 365. And we're supposed to believe that this is actually sustainable or doable. Now we know it's not true, but sometimes I think we get this false notion. When we look at the Bible and we look at some of these characters in history that we view them as superheroes. 
as if somehow they can do more than we can do, or they have some sort of unbelievable supernatural ability to be superheroes or to be on the clock 24-7 and to be able to have perfect home lives and perfect ministry lives and to do things that we could never do. But that's not true. They were just normal people, just like us, who God used. And we run into that reality in Acts 6 when we see this. Now, during those days when the disciples were increasing in number. Now, in this mode, when it says disciples, it's talking about the community of faith. It's not talking about the 12 apostles or 12 disciples. It's just talking about the whole community of faith. And the book of Acts is incredibly, incredibly exciting. In fact, if we go back to the beginning of Acts, it counts the number of believers and it says there's 120 people. So once Christ died and rose again and ascended into heaven, there was only 120 people that that claimed Christ as Lord. Well, once Pentecost hit, which is when the Holy Spirit came in and filled the disciples, they shared God's word. They shared God's story and people were cut to the heart and they believed. And it said, in that day, 3,000 people were added to the church. The church went from 120 to 3,000 people. Well, last week we encountered a story, a piece of history between Peter and John, and they healed this guy who was lame from birth, and then they shared Christ's story. And what happened? Once again, the church grew again. And it said that now, in this point, there was over 5,000 people in the church. Now, can you imagine... New Life is about 700 members. Can you imagine in a year from now, if we were 5,000 members? Can you imagine the changes that would happen around here because of that? Can you imagine the growing pains that we would experience? This is exactly what was happening in the early church. They went from 120 to over 5,000 people, and you better believe that there were growing pains. You better believe that there were changes. And this is what happened. The Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. So we have these two groups of people within this 5,000. One were the traditional Jewish people who had bought into the traditional Jewish beliefs and held those firmly. The others were the Hellenistic Jews, which means they had bought into a lot of the ideas of the Greek mythology. They spoke a little bit differently. They act a little bit differently. And so naturally, these two groups had some tension. But that tension flared up in this community when it looked like there was favoritism happening. See, apparently the widows of the traditional Jewish people were being taken care of, but the Hellenistic Jews, their widows were being neglected. And so naturally, people complained. You see, what was happening in that culture was something quite phenomenal. The reason this was an issue is because they had set up a social system within the church body to take care of everyone. And so people would give of their own free will to the apostles to make sure that everyone was well taken care of. And it was working for a season. We're told in the book of Acts that there was no one who was hungry or poor because they cared for each other so much and they shared their wealth and watched over one another. But as you can imagine, when the church grew, it became unsustainable, at least unsustainable in respect that the apostles were running it anymore because they had other things to do. And so naturally things started falling through the cracks And people start complaining. And so this is what the disciples did. And the 12 called together the whole community of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. 
So we run into the 12. This is the 12 disciples of Christ. And it's changed slightly because we know that Judas betrayed Christ and in his sorrow ended up killing himself. So the 11 remained. They added a guy named Matthias into the 12. And so they were a complete 12 once again. And after hearing the complaint, they got together and they had this discussion to figure out what was the solution. So once they had formulated this conversation and formulated the solution, they brought together the whole community of faith, 5,000 people. And this is basically what they said. They said, every time we say yes to something, we say no to something. Now, they didn't say it quite like that, but that's what they were implying. What they said was, it's not good for us to wait on tables because if we do, then we're saying no to the word of God. But in their heart, in the context, they're saying, if we say yes to this, we're saying no to this. And this is true in our lives. We all get this. You see, by saying yes to taking on the weight and responsibility of this social system, they were neglecting their true purpose, which was to preach and share the word of God. And so with that heart behind it, they said this to the community. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task. You see, the disciples knew that there were people out there who were more passionate and skilled than they were to do this job, to take care of this ministry and to make sure that it thrived. This is a, an amazing spiritual truth that we all need to understand. See, it's always true that if you're more passionate and skilled, you're obviously going to do more ministry. And the disciples knew this. They knew there were men out there who could do it better than they could do. In fact, in our journey classes that we run twice a year, this is actually one of the core teachings that we talk about in our disciple to ambassador section. We talk about the idea that God has shaped you and made you in a unique way that allows you to do ministry better than anyone else in your sphere, better than any of our pastors, better than any of our staff in the direction that God wants you to go. You see, SHAPE is an acronym that we have broken down to help you understand how God has made you. And it stands for this. First of all, the S is spiritual gifts. What are the special gifts that God has given you when you receive Christ? When the Holy Spirit worked in your life and called you into a relationship with him, what are those gifts and what are they unique to you? Also, we look at H, which is the next letter, which is heart. What are you passionate about that no one else is passionate about, or at least not very many, right? What drives you? What gets you up? What inspires you? A is for abilities. When God crafted you in your mother's womb, what gifts and abilities was he already preparing in you that you would bring into the world? And P is personality. How do you engage and interact with the world in a unique way that's unique to you? And the last one is E, experiences. What has God allowed you to go through or permitted you to go through? The good and the bad. The things that you have survived that you know that you can help someone else survive those things as well because you have experienced it. You see, the truth is, if we understand our shape, if we understand how God has made us, that uniquely has crafted us to do ministry in a certain sphere, in a certain segment that no one else can do like you. And the disciples knew this. And so they called seven men who were shaped better 
than they were to do this ministry. But they had a role too. So they said this, well, we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. You see, they were crystal clear on what their job description was. As apostles, as leaders, they were going to pray and preach. Pray and preach. And they weren't going to get distracted with anything else. You see, they were fighting against a lie that easily sneaks into our churches. In fact, a lie that is constantly trying to permeate our churches. And this lie is this, that the pastor is better equipped than the rest of us. Or to simplify it, the pastor is a superhero. The pastor does the ministry and we just celebrate him. So if we have a good pastor, this is great. We love our pastor. He's doing great. He's doing a lot of great things. If we have a mediocre pastor, it's kind of like a golf clap. It's like, oh, he's, he's good enough or she's good enough. Or if we have a bad pastor, we just kind of hope, hopefully he'll just go away or she'll go away sooner or later. But the truth is, pastors are not superheroes. A collar, an alb, a button-down shirt, a tie does not make you a superhero. In fact, some pastors actually try to take on that role as superhero, and it does great damage. And the reason it does great damage is because it's driven by two factors. Either ignorance, they don't know any better. They think that's actually true, that the pastor is meant to do all the ministry and do everything or it's pride. They actually think they are a superhero and think they can do everything. You see, there's four things that I've seen that result in that attitude and that behavior. Four very damaging things. One, one result is small churches. Small churches. You see, healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. And when churches shrink, when churches stay, stay small, that's actually counter to the Great Commission. You see, when a pastor takes on the role of superhero and they have to do all the ministry and lead all the teams and do everything, that forces a low ceiling on a church. And you can never grow because they can only do so much and they're never going to actually do what they're meant to do, which is to reach the lost and care for as many people as humanly possible. The other thing that it does is it creates weak members. You see, every one of you has been shaped and designed to do ministry. But if the pastor doesn't allow you to do ministry, if the pastor doesn't equip you to do ministry, guess what happens? Your shape, your spiritual gifts, your abilities, your personality, your experiences don't matter. In fact, they atrophy. And we have weak members. The other thing that happens when pastors buy into this idea that they're actually a superhero is it does great damage to their personal life. You see, we call it burnout. Maybe you've had a pastor like this before. He was doing really good things for a short period of time or maybe a long period of time, but all of a sudden he went into the corporate world. He quit doing ministry and now he does something else because he burned out. He couldn't handle it anymore. The weight was too much because the weight is too much. Or maybe it didn't play out like that, but you just all of a sudden saw your pastor less and less and less and less until it almost seemed like he didn't even work at the church anymore. That was a result of burnout. Or sometimes it hits closer to home and you see a pastor get divorced because he's spending too much time doing ministry, trying to be a superhero and his marriage burns out. 
where it plays out like this. The marriage is still there, but the kids have long given up on the faith. Even the pastor's kids have stopped going to church and they don't even raise their kids in the faith anymore. You see, at my last church, I had a really, really good senior leader that that really cared for his staff and really mentored his staff. And he said something to me that I thought was a little bit harsh, but it was so wise and so powerful and really allows people to stay in ministry for a long time and be healthy in ministry. He said, when someone comes to your office, when someone comes to your office and they have a great ministry that they want to tell you about, as soon as they're done telling you about that ministry, this is what you say. You say, sounds like it's something you're really passionate about. I can't wait to see what you're going to do with that ministry. And the reason he said that is because it was his experience over a long-term ministry that oftentimes when people come into your office to tell you about a ministry as a pastor, what they want you to do is do that ministry, right? They dreamed it up. Now you do it. But he knew the truth. The truth is this. The person who's most passionate about the ministry is always the best to lead the ministry. And he also knew if he said yes to that, that he was going to say no to something that he was uniquely shaped to do. See, disciples knew this. And this is why they were so clear cut. These guys are going to do this. We're going to pray and preach. And that's all that we're going to do. And we're not going to get distracted with anything else. So this was the result. What they said pleased the whole community. Now, this might shock you, but when they were so straightforward, it pleased the community. And it pleased the community because the community understood more people doing ministry equals more ministry. And people who are passionate about ministry doing ministry always equals better ministry. So they did that. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Now, as I read those, you thought those are interesting names. And the beauty of this section of scripture is the interesting names because these people were from different walks of life. Some were traditional Jews, some were Hellenistic Jews, and some were Gentiles. People who talk differently, act differently, thought differently. What did they do? They united around the ministry at hand. And you know what happens when you unite around ministry, even though you have differences of opinion and different ways you look and different ways you act and different ways you talk? You become friends because you're united through ministry. This is a a beautiful piece of scripture. But this is what the result was. So they had these men stand before them. And the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. See, the apostles stayed within their lane, stayed within their job descriptions. And what did they do? Their job was to preach and pray. And so they prayed, equipped, and sent these men. And when these men did their ministry and the apostles stayed within their lane, look what happens. The word of God continued to spread. The number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. When everyone took on the role that God had uniquely designed them to do, healthy things grow, the church grew. And this is the coolest part. This is my favorite part. Who else joined the church? The priests. 
The Jewish priests gave up everything that they'd been trained in, steeped in. They gave up their jobs and they took on the cause of Christ. And they brought their gifts and their abilities. And I have to imagine that these men did amazing things in the church. You see, over the past three weeks, we've been stepping into a a really short but powerful sermon series called Transformed Communities. You see, what we saw in our first week was that communities are transformed and are only transformed through the power of Christ. And as we work through this, it was probably somewhat was hard to swallow. Some was hard to understand. Some had maybe shifted the way you think about life or you think about church because it shifted how the disciples thought about church and how they thought about life. You see that first week, Christ said to them when they said, is this the time when your kingdom comes? Is this the time when you take on the throne? And he said, no, instead you're going to tell my story. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the rest of the world. This is your mission. This is your job. And it made them shift their thinking. But as he ascended, they went out and they did just that. In order to transform their world, in order to transform their community, they told the story. They told the story and they were incredibly successful at it. Well, last week we ran into the story of Peter and John. And we learned this important lesson that really permeates truth in every area of our life. Is that people are not good at reading motives. See, Peter and John, they did more than just nice things. They did more than just healings. They did more than just take care of people. They spoke God's truth. And when they did, the result? Transformation. 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 people in the church because they spoke of why they acted the way they acted. They clarified their motives. Well, this week we ran into a truth that was maybe equally as challenging, but it was this. Superheroes, they aren't realistic. No matter what you're wearing, no matter what's your role, you cannot be a superhero. They do not exist. They don't exist in this room. They don't exist in our community. They don't exist in our world. They've never existed The disciples weren't superheroes. They were normal people who had limits. They couldn't function 24 seven, 365. So they handed off the ministry so that the church could be the church. The church could take on the roles that God had uniquely shaped them to do that they could truly transform the community. You see, if we do this, if we take on this idea of team, If we do what God has uniquely shaped us to do, guess what? Our community will never be the same. Let's pray.